Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear for our meditation this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 27 to 43. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others? Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Some people make the financial mistake of assuming that things will continue as they are or maybe even get better. Some people make the mistake of getting into debt, assuming It'll be easy to pay it off later. Surely I'll make more money when I'm older. Some people make the mistake of thinking, putting off saving for an emergency. Again, thinking, I'll do that when I make more money. Then, of course, an emergency comes. They're not prepared. Something happens to their house, their car, their health. And they find themselves unready, unprepared. Financial security comes not from hoping things will get better, but from practicing financial discipline now, saving now before the emergency comes. Far more unfortunate are those who make the same mistake not with their money, but with their spiritual security. The same way that we can get comfortable with credit card debt and not saving, we can sometimes get comfortable with our sins, thinking, oh, it doesn't really matter. Or even get comfortable with the sins around us in society, thinking, oh, it's not a big deal. Obviously, God doesn't really care. Things are going along well. It doesn't really matter. It's not something we have to worry about. Just like financial security comes from being aware of your money and how you spend it and of your budget. 
So also, spiritual security comes from being aware of our sin, of God's answer to that sin, and most importantly, of Christ and the cross, the means by which we can attain that spiritual security. The Bible has another word for this. It's called the fear of God. That attitude that looks at myself and my sin and understands God's wrath against that sin and flees for refuge to that cross of Christ. Jesus says to the women in our text, the days are coming. When Jesus talks about the days that are coming, he doesn't mean this in a positive way. This isn't happy days are here to stay, is it? These are days of trouble and tribulation. When he says, you, you'll be happy, you'll be happier covered by mountains. If mountains fall on us, it would be better than the days that are coming. This phrase, the days are coming, is a phrase that is used, especially in the Gospel of Luke and also by the prophet Jeremiah, but in other places as well, to talk about the time after Christ's ascension until he comes again. It's not focused on that last day, that day of judgment, but the time between. We see that in Luke 17, 22, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. That time when Jesus is not physically apparent here on this earth. He's still with us, of course, but not that we can go and talk to personally the way he was. Those times, Jesus warns us, are times of trouble and tribulation, especially at the, the fall of Jerusalem, but also throughout the whole time, the time now. Today's the, the last day of the church here. And as we, every year when we come to the last Sunday of the church here, we look ahead, not just to the end of the church here, but to those days that are coming and the tribulation and the trouble that is often going to be there in the days before Jesus' final return. Looking ahead, Jesus tells us not to expect easy days and comfort, but to be ready for trouble and tribulation. And therefore, to make sure that you have that spiritual security now, not wait, assuming that the sin doesn't matter. The fear of God is not a show, is it? The fear of God is not something we put on, not an outward show of piety. Just like uh, financial security cannot be gained simply by buying everything that's on sale. That, might, that's, that was my grandma's attitude. Why did you buy this, Grandma? Well, I had a coupon. You don't need it. Well, I had a coupon, right? So also, uh, spiritual security cannot come from that, that outward show. We see that clearly in our text. That the women are weeping. They're putting on a good show. Oh, how sad for Jesus. We care about you, Jesus. We're weeping for you. But Jesus tells them, to look inward. Look at, examine their own hearts and their own sin and weep over their own sin, not over him. So the fear of God begins by, by looking inward at our own sin. You know, talking about shows, uh, the Philippines, I just found this out recently. Over in the Philippines, they know how to put on a good show. They, during Lent, they actually 
literally crucify themselves. They, they put nails through their hands, hang on a cross, not long enough to die, but for five or ten minutes. Pound the nails through their hands. It's a good show. But how much does it accomplish for the true fear of God, that true inward examination of our own sin and our own sorrow? And here at church, we sometimes maybe have the idea that oh, the fear of God is how we dress and how we behave in church. Come into the church quietly. Those are good things to do, but that outward show isn't the real thing. And by the way, you know, we're happy to have little children in our, in our church. We're happy to hear them crying. Mine was just crying. Uh, sometimes mothers are embarrassed. You know, the children are crying in church. We love to hear them. We love to know they're there. I used to preach at a congregation where we'd have the train going right behind the church. So I had to, I had to learn how to t- preach over a train. I can, I can handle children. When they're old enough, teach them to sit quietly, sure. It's a, good, it's a good thing for them to do. It's a good thing for us to do for their sakes so that they learn how to receive God's word and listen to it yeah, for their sakes. But the, the true fear of God is that inward looking, not that outward show. That weeping, that examination of, of my sins. Weep for yourselves, Jesus says. There are two men crucified with Jesus. Uh, we often refer to them as the two thieves. Some of the translations say thieves. Some say criminals. New King James says criminals. The actual word in the Greek is katur- katurgus. I have other pastors here, so they, usually I don't have to worry about how I pronounce it. They'll probably tell me I did it wrong. That's okay. The Greek word katur- uh, katurgus means those who, or sorry, I, no, see, I did kakurgus. It's a K, not a T. Uh, kakurgis means those who do evil. It comes from the Greek kaka. It's a fun word, right? Some of the kids here are laughing, smiling. Kaka. Kaka means evil. It even sounds like something filthy. It sounds like if we were Greek speakers, that would be one of those words our parents tell us not to use, right? Kaka. Filth. Evil. Workers of evil. They're probably a little worse than just uh, thieves. Probably did things a little bit worse than that. But on the other hand, the second thief calls Jesus atopon. You know, the topon in Greek means something that is a little off or something that is a little out of place, unusual, odd. But Jesus is atopon. Nothing is out of place. So on the one hand, we have those who are workers of evil, but then we have Jesus who not a one, one thing, not one blemish, nothing is out of place. A few months ago, one of the members here was telling me how she mops with the Swiffer. When she mops her floor with the Swiffer, she uh, changes the Swiffer sheet, and she keeps doing that until the Swiffer sheet is clean. And then she knows her floor is really clean, not a spot not, you know, on it. My floor is never that clean. But that's, what, that's what we have here, Atopon, without a single blemish. Nothing left, nothing remained, no, no sin in him. And the second thief is looking back and forth, isn't he? He's comparing himself, a worker of evil, filled with filth, with this man. There's nothing out of place in him, without blemish. That's the beginning of the fear of God, that 
comparison of me to what I should be, me to Christ, and how filthy I am in comparison to him, that inward looking at my sin. This thief, he doesn't make a big show of it, does he? But he's, he's looking at Christ, he's looking at himself, he sees that truth. The true fear of God begins with that examination, that consciousness of our own sin compared to Jesus. The true fear of God then takes seriously God's condemnation against that sin. Just like we not only have to, ex- if we want to be financially secure, we not only have to examine our money and our budget, but we have to take that budget seriously. We have to stick to it. It doesn't do us any good if we just ignore it. A family member once gave me the advice that you set your, your budget for food, and if you run out of it for the month, Man, you don't buy any more food. And you're going to learn very quickly how to stick to that budget. You run out of food, you know, three weeks into the month. Right? The true fear of God takes seriously, examines that sin, and then takes seriously God's condemnation. The rulers, the rulers of the Jews in our text are not taking God's condemnation against sin seriously, are they? They're mocking Christ. If you are the Christ, the chosen of God... Come on down. Prove it by coming off the cross. These men, especially, should have understood, should have known what it meant to be chosen by God. They themselves, every year of their life, on the tenth day, chose a lamb. And what was the lamb chosen for? It was chosen to be sacrificed. They should have understood that the chosen lamb was chosen to be sacrificed, not chosen to not be sacrificed. More than anyone else, they should have. There they saw the Lamb of God being sacrificed. They should have understood what that meant and recognized him, but instead they, they mock him. Jesus tells the, the women in our text if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? And the second thief has a similar reaction when he sees that Son of God, that sacrifice for our sins. And, and God's wrath being poured out upon him. The thief, he, we justly, but he, he is innocent. The thief looks at that wrath of God. He says, if, if that is God's wrath upon the innocent Son of God, what will happen to me? If God did not spare his own Son, but poured out that wrath, that wrath fully upon him. How can I think that I will escape that wrath unless I hide in the blood of Christ Jesus? That's the foolishness of this age, right? God, God loves us. He's not going to actually punish anyone. Look at the cross. Look at the wrath of God poured out on the sin of God there and understand the truth fear of God takes seriously that punishment, that consequence of our sin, especially as we see it in Christ. But of course, above, above all things, the fear of God flees then. Recognizing my own sin, understanding the consequence of that sin, the fear of God flees for refuge to Christ and is not afraid to come to Christ. 
The fear of God is, is afraid of my sin. It's afraid of the consequences of my sin. It's a, it fears that wrath of God against sin, but does not fear the promises that are ours in Christ. Again, the rulers mocked him. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. And personally, I wonder, I don't, I don't know, but I kind of wonder if the second thief heard those words and started thinking, wait a minute, he saved others? But instead of mocking him, he saved others he cannot save. That second thief, maybe he thought, he saved others, maybe he can save me. That's certainly the way he acts. He certainly isn't afraid to come before Jesus, even understanding his own sin. He's not afraid to approach Jesus, Lord, remember me. To recognize that sin and to flee to Jesus for refuge. Two weeks ago, we, we, had, we celebrated All Saints Sunday, right? And we saw the same thing. We saw all that list of people, Jesus saved others. All those, all those other sinners who by the promise and blood of Christ are now victorious in heaven. And when we see that Jesus saved others, we know he can save us as well. He saved others. He could not save himself from that cross so that he could save us. True, true fear of God grasps this promise and is not afraid to come before Jesus and trust in those words. He saved others. He can save me. Financial security comes from wise planning and prudent spending and good investments. Spiritual security comes from grasping Christ and his cross. And to those who, like this thief, examine their sin, find themselves wanting, and trust in Christ, Christ says, today you will be with me in paradise. We don't have to hide under mountains in the days to come because we are hiding in the blood of Christ. When I first <coughs> looked at the lectionary, and the lectionary is the plan of readings for the year, by the way. When I first looked at the lectionary for this Sunday, I was a little surprised. <clears throat> Knowing that it was the last Sunday of the church year, I was you know, expecting a, a text about Judgment Day, uh, maybe the five wise and five foolish virgins, or, or Christ's discourse on his coming. I forgot about uh, Christ the King Sunday. So I was, I was a little bit surprised. What, what's this? Actually, checked the pericope twice, making sure I was looking at the right text. But what better way? What better way to end the church here? What better way to look forward to the days that are coming? What better way to plan and prepare and be prepared for that final day of judgment than to go back to that cross of Christ and then to move forward as we, as we just sang, onward with the cross your aid, grasping firmly that cross, knowing that in that, in the blood of Christ, we have spiritual security ready for the days that are coming, and even for that great and terrible day of the Lord. We are spiritually secure when we hold the cross of Christ. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.